0: Welcome to another episode of Two Crones in a Book, where your host Shell and Annette get together to talk book related stuff. This could be a review of a book, watch along of movies based on books, or general ramblings. But be warned, each episode, including this one, contains adult language and spoilers. Consider yourself thoroughly warned, and welcome to our chaotic tea party. Hi
1: everyone, welcome back to another episode of Two Crones and a Book. I am your host, Annette. And Cheryl. And today we are reading Whispers uh, Down the Lane, a novel by Clay McLeod Chapman. Mm -hmm. The synopsis of this one? Go for it. So Richard doesn't have a past for him. There is only the present, a new marriage to Tamara, a first chance at fatherhood to her son Elijah and a quiet but pleasant life as an art teacher at Elijah's elementary school in Danvers, Virginia. Then the body of a rabbit ritualistically murdered appears on the school's grounds with a birthday card for Richard tucked beneath it. Richard doesn't have a birthday, but Sean does. Sean is a five-year-old boy who has just moved to Greenfield, Virginia with his mother. Like most mothers of the 1980s, she's worried about bills, childcare, putting food on the table, and an encroaching threat to American life that can take the face of anyone, a politician, a friendly neighbour, or even a teacher. When Sean's school sends a letter to the parents revealing that Sean's favourite teacher is under investigation, a white line from sean lights a fire that engulfs the entire nation and sean and his mother are left holding the match now 30 years later someone is here to remind richard that they that they remember what sean did and though sean doesn't exist anymore someone needs to pay for the price of his lies
0: Ooh. <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> now reading that synopsis actually it's not quite how i saw the book to be honest it, it is but it's not it doesn't that description doesn't read to me as the story read to me but i don't know
0: about you yeah i mean i i i was freaked out by this book before i even read it <laughs> yes you have a story to
1: share oh by the way uh, let's let's just do the um audio listening time to this was a mere eight hours 30 i That's did it bad. in Two sessions, like Michelle, like told me, can we please do this book first? I will tell you why <laughs> before we read it. I will tell you why when we record. I said, fine. I I downloaded it that morning. By the following night, I was done. She's like, are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> i not even cracked the spine.
0: <laughs> well, the paperback is uh, three hundred and one pages, um, and it's got a really cool cover, but. Yeah, I, I was thoroughly freaked out by this book okay. um, before I even read it. So what I do with the books that we've got lined up um, is I've got a bedside cabinet that has a drawer at the top and an empty space underneath. Do you know the kind I mean? Mm-hmm. And I stack the books up in stand them up in order that they need to be read. Okay. Yeah. And in front of that, I have a re- very, very cute little crocheted uh, Reaper, Grim Reaper. He's very cute. Oh. And he sits in front of the books. Anyway, I lined them all up, sorted them all out that day, pushed them all in and, and updated them. and They were all flat and, and protected and in the correct order. I uh, well, carried about my business and then um, I was in bed, turned the light on because I've got a smart light. So I was like, light on, because I decided that I, I, I wanted a drink. And I sat up and as I looked at the floor next to my bed, the Grim had been knocked onto the floor and this book oh. was poking out by about an inch from the rest. <laughs> so so i was like oh (laughs) and i i hadn't at this point even read the back of the book because we we just pull them up and and we get hold of copies i hadn't worked my way through or researched it so all i knew about this book was that it, it had a very cool cover of a pentagram with several small children lined up around the pentagram. So now I'm looking at this thing and I'm thinking, oh, dear fucking God. Because I brought a pre-owned copy. <laughs> so like, I have brought a possessed book into the house. Oh, so God. I pushed the book back, because this, this is about one o'clock in the morning. Okay. So everybody else in the house is asleep. Um, I pushed the, the, the book back. I put my grim back uh, and then oh. I had a drink and then I, I laid back down. And I was like, light off. And I was laying there and I thought sure I heard something so light on and I sat up and I looked and I checked the book and it was still back in place and I did this about three or four times yeah (sighs) yeah I was jumping out of my skin every time the dog moved or farted or snored I was convinced that I could see shadows moving around the house I thought I've this this book has to go I've brought a fucking possessed copy of a book into the house (laughs) so there I am at one o'clock in the morning in an extra large t-shirt out in the street and where i live there are no street lights. they go off at midnight <laughs> okay. so i'm in the pitch black in the dark in the street putting the book in the boot of my car because i can't have it in the <laughs> fucking house anymore because i've already spent ages sitting up going light on light off light on light <laughs> off checking that it hasn't pushed itself back out again because i'd gone through everything in my head you know oh, did i definitely push it back was the grim definitely there so after this ordeal Yeah, I'm now in the garden at two o'clock in the morning having a cigarette. Yes, smoking's bad for you. I should quit, I know. (laughs) Um, But I'm out in the garden and I'm having a cigarette. And it was not until this point that it suddenly dawned on me that it was taller than the other books. And I had pulled the drawer out (laughs) to get something out of the drawer, which is what then pulled the book forward and knocked the grim off and left it extended. (sighs) But for a a good few hours in the middle of the night, alone, when everybody else was asleep, I was convinced that I had a haunted fucking book in the house. (laughs) To the extent that I took it out in the middle of the night, in the pitch black, with a torch, in just an extra large t-shirt into the street, throwing it in the boot of my car just so it was out of the fucking house. (laughs) And then... (laughs) The next day I got the book out the back out the car and I read the back once I realised that it wasn't haunted or possessed. And it was nothing to do with the level of horror that I assumed <laughs> that it would be by the cover. So never the story, moral from this is never judge a book by its cover.
1: Oh, round of applause for the
0: story, Michelle. I love it. Fucking shit myself on it proper. I was shitting myself.
1: <laughs> I would, I, it would have been burnt, buried, <laughs> holy water. <laughs>
0: Well, I was trying to be quiet and not wake anybody up, so there I am trying to creep out of the house in the middle of the night, in the dark, with a tiny little torch and literally throwing it in the boot of my car. (laughs) So I was thoroughly fucking freaked out before I even read this book. Having said that, now I know that it's not a possessed copy and then I I did read it, but that's why I asked you to read it quicker because I was like, I've got to get rid of this book. (laughs) I'm going to have to read it in the car. It can't come back in the house. Because <laughs> you woke up <laughs> to that message, didn't you? I sent it to you at ridiculous clock in the morning. Yes. <laughs> yeah,
1: it was like I was out walking the dog early doors after Hayden had gone to school. it's just, why do I have to read this book now? <laughs> <laughs> it's because <of> at <laughs>
0: that point it had to leave the house.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I will explain all. Don't ask me why. Just <laughs> read the book. Okay.
0: Do you know, I love the fact that you just went with it
1: you know we've known each other for this many years now there's no why even ask is like this for a reason it'll be good enough
0: but yeah having said all of that it was a, a really good book we'll do um we'll do our light spoilers followed by our, our big spoiler warning um yeah. as normal but yeah no I liked it in it did you like
1: it yeah. well I didn't succumb to Uh, satanic panic like some of us (laughs) on this recording. That's really
0: unusual for me. You know me. I normally potter around in the dark. It doesn't bother me. (laughs) (laughs) It's alive. Fucking fuck. I brought something demonic into the fucking house. Well, it wouldn't be the first
1: that you've had something demonic in one of your households. I remember that clown doll thing that ended up under my pillow one night. (laughs) I still say you put it under my pillow, you evil cow.
0: I don't remember doing it if I did.
1: I it was so evil. It had, like, you know those 80s, like, cutesy clowns with the dead black doll eyes <laughs> that everyone thought were adorable? She had one on a bookshelf, and <laughs> I hated this thing. And one night we were, I was, we were having a sleepover, and I'm on the floor, and I have this dream of this horrible, weird <laughs> figure, like like Bob from Twin Peaks, like, skirting from side to side of the room, and it ended up on my chest. And I woke up, and that... Fucking clown was under my pillow. <laughs> it's like, no, she
0: denied it. It's like, she, she denied it. <laughs> I swear you did it. The thing is, isn't it? We drank quite a lot in them days, so it's quite possible that I really had no recollection whatsoever of doing it.
1: <laughs> fucking this shat me pants as that fucking clown under my pillow.
0: <laughs> oh, let me just take this hoodie off of it held <laughs> I'm too warm now to hat to to um sorry yeah so yeah no and I might have done it when I was pissed and I yeah. remember but I don't, I don't recall doing it or any strange twin peaks dance uh, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's all i got to say
0: um. <laughs> but we completely and utterly digressed from the book um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i i mean i i this is, straight off the bat, this is a thumbs up from me. It was a really good book, really well written. You?
1: Oh, I absolutely... Like I said, two sessions. I, I started listening to it when I was walking with the dog. And I didn't yeah. stop for most of the day. And then I, I had to switch off. <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> I have to have a life at some point. <laughs> and then I just devoured the rest of it the next day. Pottering around the house. I just couldn't stop listening.
0: Yeah, it was, it was really, really good. I mean... I, I, Just to, to give people a taste of the kind of language, if you don't mind, know, I just want to read a paragraph from page one.
1: Sure. Go ahead.
0: Um, so you, th- this is a kind of descriptive language that you, you open the book to. This is page one of the book. Um, they found Professor Holdy spread across the soccer field, what was left of him anyway. His chest cavity had been carefully cracked open, his rib cage fanning back as if it were the glistening crimson trigger hairs on a Venus flytrap, patiently waiting for its prey to wander inside its gaping maw. The entirety of its intestines, large and small, had been gingerly unspooled to the end of their connective tissues across the lawn in some sort of luminous pattern. That's the first bit. That's, isn't it
1: beautiful? It's disgusting, yep. but it sounds so pretty. <laughs> I was like, fucking hell. I'm hooked. I know. He's such a good writer. He actually writes a lot of comic books as well. Does he? Yeah. Um, he. Uh, there was a series, The Absolute Carnage, mm. came out and it had a lot of um, offshoot books. And he did the one that focused on the uh, character of Scream. Oh, it, yeah. Absolutely excellent. I highly recommend it. The whole absolute carnage range is fantastic. But it seems to me he's doing a lot of that character. And he's also involved with Reign of Fire. That's, um, mm. I think, in King in Black. He's done some stuff for that as well. So, yeah, he's quite prolific with the comics.
0: You couldn't tell that that's was his sole focus. He's written this so well.
1: No, he's done a, I think he's done a couple of other books, like short stories as well. But this one, this is the first time I've really paid attention. It was it yeah it was it it was fucking good.
0: It was so good. I mean, the the gist of it is you've got this guy who's living in this quiet, sleepy little town that's on the up, um, slowly be- becoming more accessible to the upper classes. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a an art teacher in a primary school, an elementary school. Yep. And then you start getting these flashbacks to Sean, and you don't necessarily put the two together straight away. Although it's an obvious link. Yeah. And stuff starts happening and this level of paranoia begins to unravel in him, mm-hmm. combined with your discovery, his childhood, this Sean's childhood, was really good. I mean, there, I, at some points I got a really strong rosemary baby vibe, you know, like, no, they're fucking in on it. You yeah, know, this whole town's in on it to get him.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, what's what stuck out? for you the transcripts transcripts were quite disturbing yes
1: yeah oh it's the whole i don't i don't want to go into spoil it's going to go into spoilers a bit but there there's a point when sean is talking with an adult Mm. due to events yep and it is how this conversation is carried out was so triggering that, yeah. Oh my! Um, like I, I, that was when I did have to stop because I got really mad. <laughs> I think I even messaged you. I'm so mad right now. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> did. I was I like, I it
0: it's like I haven't started it yet.
1: Is it, <laughs> is it? Is it? Is it shit? <laughs> no, it's not shit. It's too good. <laughs> I want to strangle this person. <laughs> so but yeah, it's it's the use of language of adults like cuz obviously I've worked in childcare mm-hmm. for many many years and you can see when when people are talking to children how they tend to influence yeah how leading it was <gasps> oh my it was God. red
0: flags wasn't there
1: yeah the whole way through oh it's just... and then it is it's it's the adults conversations with the children but then it was, it was seeing it play out one way in mm-hmm. Sean's timeline and then seeing what happens in Richard's timeline.
0: Because it, there's a lot of similarities, aren't there?
1: It is, and it's kind of like done from both point of views, you know, to the other sides of the story, kind of, without trying to give anything away. But it was just like how the language can turn and how things can be
0: interpreted. Yep. I, it was just, it was so cleverly written really really good wasn't it so yeah you've got these two timelines that are running and you you know that at some point they are going to to merge and and Mm -hmm. and cross but in what shape or form that's going to take is unclear and then you've got this really clever use of of transcripts and i don't remember seeing that in anything else that i've uh, read or where it's been so relevant and effective yeah so the transcripts are of, of interviews and that is used in in both timelines yeah um and when you you When you put down, like you've just said, exactly the wording, you can see straight away the way that an authoritative figure can manipulate and influence what is happening both with a child and with an adult because they're in that position of power.
1: Yes, definitely.
0: Um, Yeah, no, I I thought this this was really good. You've got this story that's running all the way through. Um, you're trying to work out what's going on there's there's shit that's starting to happen to Richard you've got these references where you're discovering what's happening to Sean and Sean's timeline um, and yet I, I I without wanting to give too much away before the spoiler alert there's there's a lot happening and it's it's quite cleverly done I will say that I don't like Richard no no. Um, and I'll go into to why after the spoiler floor. Yep. Um, but there, there's very small and subtle things in here that are clear indicators that he has the potential to be an arsehole. Uh, yes, definitely. Even though he's trying to, on the surface, he's, he's got this shiny, super, you know, normal persona. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, again, Annette, we're really struggling with the first half, as we always do. I think we should move to the spoiler floor. Um, And before we do, I just want to confirm that, yes, this is 100% a thumbs up from me.
1: (laughs) Possessed book and all.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Might not want to buy a secondhand copy, though.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I'm going to say it was extremely well narrated. Um, What was the name of the narrator now? Uh, James narrated by James Patrick Cronin, absolutely perfect for this book. Yeah, completely separate characters, giving their own voices, and you mm-hmm. could you you could picture them. Even though it was a man doing multiple characters, including women, he he was outstanding. Cool. So it was a true compliment to the writing. Um. So oh god, yeah, a hundred percent thumbs up from this crone too.
0: Okay, so that's a a definite recommendation from the Crohn's. Now, if you would like to go and read this book based on that um, without knowing any deep, dark spoilers, now is the time for you to pause this podcast and go off and purchase a copy. Um, If, however, you want to know the spoilers because you've read it or you, you just don't mind spoilers, come and join us on the spoiler floor where we let rip. Next stop, the Spoiler Floor.
1: Freedom! Michelle, I'm never buying a Cabbage Patch
0: doll. <laughs> no, I'm <laughs> fucking... <laughs> <laughs> Fuck
1: that shit.
0: <laughs> um, oh, this, this, it, this, yeah, this, this was really, really good. Um, one of the things that I thought was so clever was the mirroring of Richard's life to a certain point of Richard's life with Sean's life. So like it, it, the art teacher thing, he, he's the art teacher. Yeah, he's destroyed the life of this other art teacher. Yeah. Um, so the, the gist of it is just for anybody who's still with us. Sean, when Sean was a kid, um, he's having a hard time at school. He goes home and his mum finds some bruises because one of the other kids has, has given him a couple of, of thumps and picks on him. She turns around and she says to him, was it your teacher? And, and he is so keen to please and to try um, and appease his mum. Because his mum, right from the beginning, you kind of get the vibe that she's running from something. Yeah. He, he says yes. And it just fucking spirals from there. And then there's this witch hunt takes off. Uh, and the, the focus of, of the primary focus of this witch hunt is his his teacher who's an art teacher. Yeah. Um, And it basically destroys this guy's life. But Richard is also an art teacher and is kind of, you get the impression that he's mirroring a lot of the techniques that this fabulous art teacher for Sean um, used with kids, you know, uh, a communication style and and the fun approach. Yeah. And then shit starts to get quite dark and and twisty quite quick, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, because there is this um, new girl that's joined the school um his and uh, Richard's stepson Elijah has come quite close with her to the point he got in trouble at school for defending her against other children that well someone that somebody had hurt her and that Elijah had defended her but yeah. they weren't allowed to say who it was there seems to be issues cropping up between this child Richard Elijah and then the the, the girl's
0: mother mm. and he he seems as this book is progressing through I, he seems to uh, question his own sanity. So one, all the theories that you can think of, yeah. they cover in the book. He's very clever at highlighting them. And as soon as he highlights them, you think, well, that can't be the case. So, you know, there's um, when he starts getting uh, these weird phone calls mm. uh, when he thinks that it's his mum, but his mum's dead. And then he puts the phone down and he actually says, you know, am I talking to myself? Because he's always alone when he gets these phone calls. Yes. So he, you know, am I losing my mind and am I talking to myself? Is this all in my head? So he's referencing the crazy, which you would think of. You would, you know, you automatically think, is this a, a personality thing? Is he doing the things that, that are happening and he just doesn't remember? Because mm-hmm. uh, he finds the cat, the, the, his stepson's cat, hung up out of a tree and gutted like the rabbit.
1: Oh, we should have said trigger one. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, animal death. Sorry.
0: <laughs> um, and he, he hides the body. So he's got that level of, of secretive nature. And then uh, there's another occasion where he goes into the garage, which he uses in an art studio. And there's loads of photos of this Sandy... Yeah, um, the little girl, yeah. The little girl all over the floor. And, and he, he scoops them up and he, he's in a panic and he burns them because he doesn't want he, his wife to see them. And he's he's, he's adamant that it's not him. Mm-hmm. But he, he's becoming a little bit unhinged um, and extremely paranoid because he, he questions when would he have taken them? If it was him, when would he have taken them? Why would he have leaving them there? Mm-hmm. And you've also got the level of, of paranoia, which is your Rosemary Baby kind of vibe where he, he he wonders if they're out to get him so like the the principal keeps turning up in his classroom and doing things like we well, high hopes for you here you, know, you and he's a bit all over him and you think well actually is it a cult vibe in the town so all the things that you could think of as you're you're going along are referenced in the book yeah the whole thing
1: cuz the whole thing is triggered cuz uh, initially in Sean's timeline it's the early 80s as we on this is the time of the great satanic panic where um, church groups were um, burning uh, cabbage patch dolls because they thought they were possessed by the devil,
0: you know. I didn't know that was a, a thing. I didn't know it was – well, I, I kind of – on your fringes knew, but I, no idea it was that kind of scale.
1: Yeah, yeah. So at this so at this point, it it, it was a na- nationwide panic. You had shows like Geraldo, all those other talk shows that were doing yeah. episodes on it, and they were just gearing – up this this culture of fear especially in parents they're out there
0: and they they're gunning for your children and you start creating a mob mentality like that It it, it spirals any anything throughout history you you get that mob mentality and you you feed it with fear and you know that it, it's not going to end well
1: it's true all it takes is for one person to dislike you and if if, if they're determined enough they will turn they will convince themselves and everyone else of the evil that you are capable of allegedly. It's the witch trials, isn't it? You
0: know, it's it the really same mentality with The witch trials, because all of those were motivated by money and power and greed.
1: Yeah. I mean, you do see it a lot in, um, in schools. It is a minefield out there of, mm. you know, everything, all the rules and regulations that are in place are in there to protect the staff just as much as it is to protect the children because of incidents like this that happen in the world. But yeah. Uh, so for Sean it he, it's in his head he he says it's the reason why he said yes when his mother um asked if it was the teacher he kind of convinced himself it was a game yeah. and that's why he continued with it but then like others the other children kind of catch on because then they were like one parent speaks to another yeah and then they, they end up having mass groups where they meet at this child, who was the child who initiated the fight with Sean in the first place. Yeah. They gather at his mother's house and he eavesdrops on the conversation. So mm. he knows what they're talking about. This was said and that was done. So then he goes into the school and says, well, yeah, yeah. he did this and that to me as well. And then another and then another. And it, it and it spirals out of control because it appears
0: like, corro- uh, like they're corroborating each other's stories, but they're not. It's because there was no control over information or, or, or data.
1: No, no, not at all. And then they end up having to see this, this woman. who is should not <sighs> have been in that position. No, I don't think she was even qualified, was she? Or was she? No, she was. She was, psychi- she she was a psychiatrist. Sorry. But she has these one-on-one interviews and the ones that we see are the ones with Sean it's, it was horrible. It was like she bullied him into answering questions he did not want to answer. She led yeah. every question with no room for him to look at it any other way. You know. Yeah. Oh, oh. It, it. It. The. The level of manipulation was. It, oh, I can't even talk. I'm so angry just thinking about it.
0: Yeah, I mean, looking at it now, an extract from one of those transcripts, uh, page 114, you've got here, um, did it make you feel, Kinderman, did it make you feel uncomfortable? Crenshaw, I don't think so, it was just a game, we all played it. What the class played it, your friends, Mr. Woodhouse, were there others? Crenshaw, there were others. Kinderman, who? Other who? Adults, teachers? Crenshaw, no. Kinderman, are you sure? Really, really sure? Mm -hmm. Crenshaw, I mean, yeah. Kinderman, yeah, what? Crenshaw, it was true. It was teachers, Kinderman, and were the teachers wearing clothes or no clothes? No one had mentioned nakedness before this. No, not at all. Not at you know. At and all. Crenshaw says no clothes, but with a question mark. And Kinderman says, and, and what were the teachers doing? Were they watching? You know, it's constantly feeding, um, and then there's a whole relatively disturbing bit where she implants in his head's, um, You know, what were they doing? Were they making noises? Were they adult noises? You, it, it was, it was really uncomfortable and it again horrible. shows the power doesn't it like you've just said it's dangerous it is
1: and then it's like even like the subtleties of when she's you know when he's answering her questions and he doesn't know he's answering like with a, a lip when yeah. you're listening to it of like they were you know yeah. but that then when you've got that on paper and you don't have that mm. it, it's it, it's interpreted that he just said yeah you know context yeah yeah, completely oh but then that mirrors then in Richard's timeline when accusations are coming out against him via Sandy's mother Mm. and he's being questioned by the police which just seems like just they're just having a casual conversation escalates from this casual conversation to the fact that you've been thinking about her haven't you
0: yeah you
1: don't you don't need a lawyer. No, these two cops having this, and it, it is, it's that same, he's in that situation again. That manipulation,
0: I'm just looking at that a bit now, it, it did, it really, really... It escalated. Yeah, you know, like you've got one of the coppers saying, we're trying to help you, Richard. You know, we want to help you, we want to make it easy for yourself. Do the right thing here. Uh, and then all the way through, you've, you've got Richard going, you know, I, I didn't do anything. And they're trying to convince him that he, he maybe didn't remember. Mm-hmm. And then when he, he, he goes, no, I want a lawyer... He turns around and goes, well, you know, you, you don't want to do that, mate. This is your only chance. Uh, and and they, they threaten and intimidate. So one of the coppers goes to him, you know what they do to fucks like you in prison? Do you know what they will do to you when they find out what why you're there? You they, you won't last a night. You know, it's that fear that they're gen- generating, even when he's saying, I want to leave, you know. And yeah. he's there of his own volition. Mhm. He's not guilty
1: of anything, as it stands. They're just there to ask some questions. Yeah.
0: Um, and then it, it it's... So you've got, you've got all of this going on and, and it, it becomes very apparent that he was Sean and that he's tried to shut down Sean.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then, you, I mean, some of the things, the more you learn about Richard, the more I didn't like him, but not for the reasons that you would suspect. So not that you thought that he'd done anything wrong or that mm. he, he was being abusive, but the undertones that he put in. He was uh, So he's clearing out the garage and his wife has had a really painful breakup previously and she he finds a load of her ex's stuff yeah and he he finds it and he goes oh no she must have left it by mistake I'll, I'll just leave it there in case he comes back in the future but I won't do anything with it I'll just tuck it in a corner and get rid of the rest and then you know a couple of days later he's at this craft fair and she goes to him that, that's, that's a nice shirt where'd you get that shirt from and and he's like well it, I found it in the garage you know so at one point he's going yeah you know oh no I'll be respectful I know you know I'll leave it there in case he ever rocks up and wants it and and you know she must have forgot it's here now on the other hand he's marching around wearing it and that kind of made me doubt his general motivations because I was like well you're doing one thing and then you're, you're saying one thing and then doing something else and that's where I wondered whether it was a mental personality issue um Oh I, yeah, yeah. I'll just interrupt the kick that's made me think now. In they're a bit
1: like nearer nearer the end where after he's had the conversation with the police and all mm. that and he's walking around uh in his head, convinced convincing himself yeah. that it's it's all them out there. Like he weaves a story in his head. A total proper paranoid
0: episode mm-hmm. he's
1: having to the extreme. So that then makes me think that it, the, it must be inherited because of the way the mum reacted, and her yeah. little bits of story, like um, why they—we'll never know why they ended up moving there, but we know they moved there very quickly. He, um, they just seem to make up story. Like even from the beginning, it was like um, they went to McDonald's. Yeah. They ordered two Happy Meals. Yeah. And she said, if the if the man asks. The other one's for your six, your sister who's sick at home. Yeah. Because she couldn't afford to, or didn't want to buy a bigger one, what have you. Yeah. And if you do it, you can have the other toy. So she's yeah. teaching him from the age of six, or five or six, to lie to people. And there was also a
0: protest outside that McDonald's, wasn't there?
1: No, that was at the, um, at the school. The first day they were arriving, there was a protest. I think it was meant to be... I don't know if it's about the cabbage patch. It had a picture of someone
0: because
1: mm. there was lots of links to like, it
0: was a redheaded person. They don't know if, oh no. Yeah. Because what was it? Was it the McDonald's? It's when she pulled up for, he pulls up for the interview. You're right in it. It's when she pulls up for yes. the interview and leaves him in the car.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because no, because the, the reason I got confused, because the reference that the picture on this placard looked like Ronald McDonald to him because it had a redhead. Yes. They had a, a big problem with redheads in
0: this they did (laughs) I don't think he likes redheads very much isn't that a reference though that was considered a sign of witchcraft it was as well Yeah. yeah I'll also say I was not at all happy with him when he put the box of baby possums that he found in the garage outside so that nature could take its course No. see there's all these little all these little things weren't there yeah and he wasn't a very likeable character um You find out that uh, the guy that Sean accuses as a kid, he's acquitted at the trial, but his his life is ruined. Yeah. Um, And he ends up killing himself. Mm -hmm. And I wondered whether or not that was going to be the outcome with this, because up until that point, it's kind of being mirrored, isn't it? You know, it's the art teacher. It's a student saying one thing. Well, Um, and also, let's not forget that he had a wife and child who distanced
1: themselves from him. Well, the the wife didn't take the daughter with him with her yeah. distanced it and you also see that in Richard's relationship
0: um well she's just not Tamara. prepared to take a chance is no. she
1: no I mean they are married they you know they have been together for a little while now um he's just developing this relationship with Elijah he's just called him dad for the first time
0: yeah
1: but again as this is happening um she starts to distance herself for obvious reasons
0: because it's unclear the, the path is unclear so she know she's being understandably cautious
1: that's true um, oh and also again another they role play all the time like even when they're in the school at work together yeah that, that he created this game where they pretend like he's the jock and she's the cheerleader and it's our secret game again <gasps> secret yeah secret no life. secret oh
0: um, I mean, the, the, the gist of it, the big spoiler, folks, that's coming now. Last chance for you to hit pause yeah. um, is that Sandy's mum was the daughter of the art teacher that he got killed. Uh, that yes. he, he ultimately committed suicide because of, of, of Sean's actions. And she's she's pretty much there for revenge. Yeah. Um, and she kidnaps uh, Elijah these drugs in the back of the car and she goes to to drive away. Her plan, you don't know at the time, but her plan was to leave uh, Richard AKA Sean, in a compromising position with Eli so that when they're found. Yep. Um, but he has a freak out. Don't forget, this guy is under an immense amount of stress and he's having a breakdown. Mm-hmm. And he has a flashback to his mum. It turns out that the reason he ended up being adopted was his mum tried to kill them both by driving into a lake. So he's drugged because she's made him drink this thing or she's going to hurt um, Eli. He wakes up, he's drugged, he's having this really traumatic episode breakdown, and he grabs the wheel and, and they end up going off, off the bridge. And it's a reenactment again. It's this whole thing is like history repeating itself, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. They they manage to escape and and he's acquitted. The he ends up building a relationship with Eli again afterwards. But it comes to light that Sandy is the daughter of, of the art teacher that committed suicide, and it comes to light that um. She's his his daughter, but he doesn't yeah. know that. There's um a letter
1: found in Elijah's backpack. That she had left for him to find. Detailing her backstory. Mm. Um, up into the point, you know, of like she never got to see her father, the mother wouldn't let her. Then he killed himself, she left home at a young age, and then it all became about gaining revenge. Was it one day was it one day she'd just seen him somewhere, was it? Yeah, he was having an art exhibition before he was a teacher. in yes, a coffee shop. That was it, and she saw one of the pictures and it was the of, circle of the circle yeah. the children in the circle and it triggered it all back for her. And um she ends up meeting him in a club. They have um she you know, she has all these intentions that she you know, to get her over. But it's like he's gonna see me, he's gonna recognise me, he's gonna remember and he doesn't and they end up sleeping together. Yeah. And she gets pregnant with Sandy.
0: Yeah.
1: And then kinda like everything the her, her the way she was gonna it changed how she was going to get around it to get her revenge and ends up using the daughter then. To, the same way she was. Yeah, to tell the stories and, and manipulate mm-hmm. it and all that and even involved Elijah to an extent, didn't she, making it yeah. a game.
0: Because he leave. confesses he, yeah. made, he made the bruises on himself because there's a point where Tamara finds bruises on him and mm-hmm. he, he says that it was Sean. Yeah. It was good. It was so good. It was really. So good. I'm <laughs> terrified, isn't it, that we're going to fall off of this high? <laughs> I know
1: it's a, something bad's going to happen, isn't it? <laughs> we're going to find the Jonah too.
0: <laughs> yeah, we are We're doing so well with the, the, these books. They're so good. They're so engaging. They're so well written. Um, I, I'm, yeah, I, I, each book that we read, I, I'm constantly convinced that the next one is not going to match how good it is.
1: I'm not gonna say that they're getting better each time. They're all of equal, like amazingness in their own individual rights. But I'm, I'm, I'm putting this one up there with later for me.
0: I really, really enjoyed it. But apart from being absolutely fucking terrified in the middle <laughs> of the night, the book itself. Um, was yeah, it was it was a really really good read. It was really unexpected, and again, I like the fact that it is inspired by True Offense, so that Satanic Panic. Yes. Although the story itself may not have, have have been factual, it's based on that fear and that panic that was a legitimate thing and how it could have could have gone.
1: And the fact that it is still relevant today, yeah. you know how how easy you can get swept up into this. Especially now in the age, you know, in the age of like social media, if anything mm. is worse, they, they, you're talking global panic now rather than just localised to your yeah. area. And it's spread so fast. You can see it all the time, how the manipulation begins. Mm. It's it's
0: nuts. Yeah, well, uh, I don't think there's much more that we can say. There's lots in the book, as always, that we haven't covered. These are only the highlights that stand out to us. Recommended 100% double crown stamp of approval. Absolutely. Um. What are we doing next, Nat? Uh Is it a ramble or a book? So, it's a ramble. Oh, who picked this one? Uh, and it's the first dirty book you ever read. Oh, my. Oh, anonymous.
1: Wonder, won't we? <laughs> yeah, there's some filthy bugger out there, I'm telling you now.
0: Well, we had a lot of anonymous ones come through. No, we? no, we have indeed. Um, but, yeah, okay, so next is a ramble. Uh, which is what is the first dirty book you've ever read. Uh, And after that, it will be a book review. Cool. All right. I I guess we'll we'll leave it at that then. Um, And we'll see you guys next time. Okay, guys. Take care now.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of Two Crones and a Book. If you would like to contact the show, you can email us at 2 at gmail.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media for episode content and more. You can find us on Twitter at 2 pod and on Instagram at 2cronesandabook. Also join our Facebook group at 2 and a Book. Please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the show on your podcast listening app of choice. Take care now and we'll see you next time. Bye.